0: Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. When I was, when I was growing up, my dad used to do this thing, we will go to the market, and then he'd say, all right, now go minister. He's like, the first person you meet, ask them how you can pray for them. And I remember it was, those were the moments we didn't want to be present for. But he did it anyway. We would go to a village, and he's like, all right, you two, go over there. You three, take the middle street. And me, I'm going to go up here. And then we'll meet down like two miles down. I remember one time it was raining and the roads are super tiny and it's mud everywhere. And I remember asking myself, why am I doing this? Him, he's like, you would almost compare it to him being at his favorite car show and he's just like, the joy on his face. I said, David, two people just received Christ. This one got healed of this. And this, you're like, you look at him like, nothing happened on my trip. And the more we told him that, it was like the more we were encouraging him to be like, all right, next weekend, we're going to village this. And I began to ask myself, what motivates you? And his answer was what I'm, I'm talking about today. His answer was, God has everything they need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has made it in a way that they can access it if I let them know they can have it. Amen. However little I was, I didn't understand the in-depth of that. But let me ask you today, what motivates you to come to church? What motivates you to flip that channel on the TV? Is it that you need something? Is it that God needs something from you? Or is it, and I pray this is a common answer for us, is it that really you're thinking about the person you might meet the next day? And ask them, the Lord has shown me something last night that I want to share with you. Or let me ask this. This may be the most comfortable one. Lord, I have something going on in my life. So all my search and motivation to get your attention is so that you can fix me. Maybe we won't admit to that so heavily, but at least I'm talking about me for a season there. Whenever they were talking about seeking the Lord, I thought it was always about me. But this this evening, I wanna challenge you. What if it's about the person you're gonna meet right after you come out of talking with the Lord? What if it's what you think is not enough for you, but is actually enough for the person next to you, that the Lord is speaking by you, acting on the faith that he's made available so you can walk in the victory he's made available to you. What motivates you to to, to do this? I I asked our WCA staff, I said, what motivates you to be here? What motivates you to come in Four days a week, five days a week, be at conferences, meet with people, lead rehearsals, get ready for services. What motivates you? Because if it's not seeing people saved, then everything else that we're doing ain't going to last. We can write the most beautiful songs. We can play We can have the most beautiful Christmas program. We can have the greatest actors. But if the motivation is not seeing souls saved and territory is being bombarded with the Word of God, then our motivation has to be checked. Jesus comes at the prime time where Rome has taken control over the entire, I, would, I want to say world, as far as everybody knew, Rome was the most powerful. When you talk about corruption, they were number one. I mean, you think in today there's corruption? No, talk about Rome for a little bit. You think today you're, talking, you're dealing with the pride movement? <laughs> Study Roman Empire for a little bit. You wanna talk about politics? Take a pause, read a little bit about the Roman Empire. If there was anything messed up, demonic, controlled, almost like the devil himself had a hand, sorry for using that terminology, I would say it was wrong. And Jesus comes on the scene not to kill Caesar. He comes and doesn't even go to the smartest guys. He goes and finds himself 12 people and says, I'm gonna share myself all of the wealth of the glory of God that I know in these 12 people. Rome's pursuit was land and territory. His pursuit was people and their salvation. I hope you're catching where I'm going with this. And then after he put himself, put his spirit in them, he told them, and this you shall do always. You shall teach, you shall preach, you shall heal the sick, you shall raise the dead, freely I've given you, freely. freely." He launches them off, not to go have land, not to go have houses, not to go have a different political system, not to go do the, the mission that he carried. Was the mission they were all going to carry? And if you read the book of Acts, an entire Roman Empire is concerned about these 12 people and the depth of their care for other people. Remember, in the book of Acts at the Church of Antioch, they were known for the love they had for each other, and the way they ministered the love. In other words, the way they ministered what was imparted into them. What am I saying here? You know, someone sometimes might ask you this. Why do you sing? Why do you lift your hands? What does it really mean? Why do you cry even when nothing is really wrong? Is it just for a show? Oftentimes Jesus was moved by compassion. And the Bible said he was moved by compassion. And he walked into situations, he didn't even have to ask, what happened, who sinned, who did what. He walked in, why? Because there were people in these places that his hand was ready to touch. Even when the people's eyes were set on the spectacular. Here's what I mean. If you look through the miracles of Moses, the miracles of the Old Testament, and you see God, fire falling from heaven, you see manna falling from heaven, you see angels fighting with men, uh, you, see, you see the Lord of the angels' army coming to Joshua's rescue, you see all of these things happen. And then when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see good things as well. But if you were to compare through the lens of the human eye, It seems that God was more present in the Old Testament and a little less present in the Jesus ministry. One is God trying to prove himself to his people. The other is God becoming like the people he's talking to. Which one do you think is more powerful? In the other one, they wanted Moses to be the only one who could meet with God and come tell him what to do. In this one, he's saying, I want all of them to have access to me so we can talk like what Moses desired to talk face to face with God. In this one, he's saying, I want them not to worry about their sin. I don't want them not to worry about anything that could hinder them. I'm going to be their righteousness. I am going to be their holiness. I am going to be their redeemer. I'm going to put it all back together so they can come boldly to the throne in my name. In the Old Testament, if you were poor, and you didn't have goats, sheep, you became a slave so you could have something to go and worship. What is your motivation to come to church? I wanna to go to a text in the Bible that, that opens up our eyes because uh, here's what I truly believe with all my heart. The spectacular is amazing. But when we have our eyes just on the spectacular, we'll, we will miss what God is doing on our hearts, in deep within our heart. So here's something, I'm going to use a very common text that we know really well, but endowed me. Let's, let's dig some things out of there. Let's go to Matthew 14, verses 19. This is a text where Jesus feeds the 5,000 it's a very known text. It's in all the four Gospels of the Bible. in And, and the account is talking about just men were 5,000, and there's just a lot more. So uh, I'll start at 19. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fish and looking unto heaven, he blessed and break and give the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. 21 says... And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. You see, what's amazing about this is you could, you could be so heavily impressed by this, the spectacular in this. God multiplied two loaves and two fish and, and fed over, I would say, 20,000 people. But I wanna show you something deeper here. He has been teaching the whole day. Everybody that has come is because they heard that Jesus does miracles, signs and wonders. So you would think he would be excited because guess what I'm thinking is in the announcement they would have made He is is the man who will feed you when you're hungry. He will clothe you when you have nothing. Come onto this crusade ground and you will be blessed. Is that what the scripture says? There wasn't broadcast on TV saying, hey, we're going to be in this village at this time, so please show up. And after you show up, gather together, we'll sing a few songs. And after we do that, Pastor Jesus will come in and he will do his message. And bam, power of God will hit. Is that what happened? Actually, if you read a few chapters before, they were doing something else. And it was like the people saw him cross over and they decided to follow him into that land. Why, because if you focus on the multiplying, you will miss the fact that they were amazed at his character before they were amazed at what he was doing. I'll say that again. They were amazed at the fruit of his character before they were amazed at what he was about to do. Because everything he was teaching and preaching, he was going to where the need of what he was saying was. I'm setting you up. (laughs) Because if he was going to places where what he carried was needed, I want to ask you, where are you going that what God has put on the inside of you is needed? And are you going into those places knowing that what you're carrying is enough? or are you going to those places hoping that what you've carried or what you carry is enough? Because for the first time in this story, there's a shortage in the ministry of Jesus. Money. At the end of the day, something happens. Philip is like, send the people home. They need to eat. Jesus had no idea they were hungry, right? <laughs> he plays right along. <laughs> They've been to church. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him... But there was something they thought, mm, Jesus, if we're going to have a, a good day of ministry and we haven't fed the people, bad idea. So let's send them home. So on their way home, they can buy their own food. You know what? I, th- I feel like in America, we should try that one time. Maybe at Link, ha- have a conference and have no lunch. And wait and see the feedback. At the end of the day, you know, Pastor Duane has started. Bobby Verica and Bobby. Everybody has thought. I'm mixing up all these names. And at the end of the day, they be like, all right, everybody, the Lord bless you and keep you. Go home on your way home. Buy you a burger. Buy you Wendy's, please. <laughs> God bless you. When people come here for a conference, do you know one thing they're guaranteed? Lunch. This meeting that is going on all day right here, Philip is pointing out, we are missing the point. If you're going to teach the word of God all day and there is no food involved, we're in trouble. And you see, what, what's amazing about Jesus is, in the text, you don't see any emotion in him, kind of just, almost like he thought, thank you, Philip, for setting up a, a God provision moment. And so here's what happens. I know I'm stretching this little four verses for you so you can see some of the things hidden underneath in there. Why? Because there's emotion, there is feelings being involved. There is... So these are the disciples of Jesus, and they think if, if, they're not saying if, they're really saying he can't feed the people. So therefore, to avoid embarrassment, let's disperse the people. Do you think that meant that they had enough for them and Jesus? or do you think that meant? We can figure us out, but this is too big for God. I'm talking to some of you in because that's where you are. You've come to a place and you're wondering, my issue, I've been prayed for four times, five times. I've listened to declarations, I've read devotionals. It seems like my issue is getting too big for God. And as you keep reading this text, in some of the Gospels, it says, what do you have? Now, Josephus says something that's super interesting. It was very rare for Jews to go all day long without packed food, either in their backpack, something packed, because the ones that walked at the sea would carry some fish. Those that walked in the, in the market would carry something with them. Why, well, I'm gonna be in the market all day long. So it's, it's likely that when Jesus is asking, what do you have? He's asking, did anybody carry anything? And what tells you that they carried something, but they did not care to give, was because everybody thought, or majority thought, what they carried was not enough, based on the need that was at hand. 50,000 people are hungry, and everybody's lens, based on what they're carrying, it's little to feed everybody. You see what I'm saying? Jesus must have known something. It's like when you go to a a high school, and you're like, man, did anybody bring lunch? There's about 3,000 students we need to feed. Did anybody bring lunch? And every kid thinks, I only have a sandwich. It's not enough for all of us. I only have peanut butter crackers. It's not enough for all of us. David, I didn't pray enough. I didn't hear the voice of the Lord. I like what Pastor said this morning, that his, his voice to go to Mexico was Mark 16. <laughs> it said go. <laughs> and he went. Yes. But let me remind you this. What if you're in the same exact box, that whatever is, whatever is surmounting what you need from God, whatever trouble you think is super huge, you are holding the answer and you're calling it too little. One thing I, I like growing up, if you ask any African, they'll tell you, if I had more money, I would change the world. Well, Philip, in John, the story is told, they say, we have a few pennies. <laughs> They're not enough to buy food for the entire group. I think this, this is a very it's to me, strategic moment. He's dealing with every hindrance that happens because we are, we're afraid to minister out of the faith that he's made everything available because we're seeing the resources are not enough to carry out what we need to carry out. So we're bound by our resources even when we're guaranteed the source is, is right there with us. So the provision is not that God doesn't want to provide. The provision is is tied to, will you take a step? Will you say, God, I walk through my neighborhood every day and people pass by me. And I'm even embarrassed to say, hello, how are you doing this morning? Man, COVID changed things. You can't even say hello with a squeaky voice because they run. You can't sneeze around anybody. You begin to build this fence, but what are you really saying? What I carry is not strong enough. Maybe what I carry I don't understand well enough. And therefore the person next to you gets to miss out on what God wants to do through you. Because you're concerned I have just crackers. What if they spit in my face, in my face? Do you know there was a little boy in this crowd? I don't know how he volunteered, but I think the story just jumps there. Philip was somehow able to find somebody who was like, "You know what? I packed my lunch today, and it's." Two fish and five loaves. And maybe I'm making this up here. I'm cooking. If Jesus is hungry, I'm going to feed Jesus. All I'm trying to say, there was somebody willing, two loaves, two fish, five loaves. and said, I have little. I wonder how this kid knew that that when you put little in the hands of the almighty, and you totally surrender it. I don't think this kid knew that he was putting his little in the hands of the almighty. I don't think this kid's focus was to feed 30, 40,000 people. I don't think this kid knew that you could multiply something that's supposed to feed one kid to feed 30,000 people and have leftover. But one thing I know about this kid that's written in here, I'm willing. You see, in the world that we live in, because of, of the confines of proxemics, don't get in my space, don't do the other, for us believers, they become a cage. If the doctor says I'm sick, I can't object the doctor, he knows more than I do. What do I know compared to their degrees and PhDs? If the weatherman says it's gonna snow, what, what do I know better, he's predicting. I've learned how to do weather too. I predict it's gonna snow but it's not gonna stick. <laughs> I'm saying this, why? Because we're at the greatest time ever for me because I'm, I'm here <laughs> of seeing people saved by the goodness of God Amen. and the massive God because he's been ready since before the beginning of time. But are you? Or is what you're saying not enough yet? I need another message. And you know what, David? If I learn a little bit about pneumatology, how about demonology? How about homiletics? How about hermeneutics? David, I'm not a great communicator. Oh, wait a minute. Every time I walk, my back hurts. My neighbors have a huge fence. I would have to go in through the front door. I don't think they like that. David at the grocery store, there's cameras. I don't wanna be caught sharing Jesus. David, I stand on those long lines at Walmart and I'm as quiet as a pin drop. I can't even sing hallelujah because what, the pastor next to me cannot? know I know Jesus. I'm making this simple, am I not? And you come, what you're really saying is what I have is not good enough. I had a friend tell me, David, all I need is opportunity. And I said, I'm one, share Christ with me. Tell me your testimony. Tell me what has God has done in your life. And he says, but you know everything. I said, no, I don't. How do you know I know everything? How do you know I don't have something on my heart that God has shown you that I need right now? What motivates you? because we may never know what motivated this kid, but this kid showed up to the occasion and says, here's my two loaves, here's my two fish, here's my five loaves. Let me say this, this this is one of my points here. God doesn't need anything you lost. He will use you with what you got left. Why do I say this? We don't know what this this kid was, this kid did not know what he was about to give up. But he had no idea as well about what God was about to do with it. Because sometimes whenever you do things like that, you're doing it for a return. Give and they will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, chicken together and running over. And how you define that is into your bosom. So if I'm tithing, therefore I should have more money. Let me tell you a story. This boy who gave two loaves, two fish and five loaves, how much you think he got back? You're gonna shout me down, because I'm about to show you a verse where the disciples gathered what, what was left over, they didn't give it to the boy. They gathered 12 baskets. Leftovers. No hint that they gave it all to the boy. But do you realize if this boy hadn't been obedient, maybe the story would have been different. Let me change it this way. What if Jesus had advertised in the village and says, food multiplier, anointing river flow. Uh, If you have little, bring it in. I'll multiply and send you back home with more. Do you realize all of a sudden, the significance of this boy's meal immediately disappears? So many people would have brought whatever they had even if it was one pancake. Lord, the Advat said you are anointing, you must ply food, you do all the other. But do you know he was all of that even though there was no Advat? He was already bread of life. He was already source of life. And he's sitting amidst a crowd that is not just hungry, Physically, but is hungry spiritually. But only one little guy could put his physical hunger aside t- to embrace a spiritual destiny for 30,000 people. I'm not going to get to the end. The clock is screaming. <laughs> what do you got? What do you have? Brother, don't hear me say that when you give, God won't give you back. Him giving is his nature. Him giving is not because you deserve it. You seeing a harvest is a whole other principle. You got us all. And so here's this little boy shows up among the crowd, gives his food. Nobody knows his name, nobody knows his actual age, nobody knows what nationality he was or what village he was from. All we know is there was this little boy who was so dedicated to the gospel of what he was listening to the whole day, tired like everybody else. Let me throw this in for free before I close. The disciples had just come from a ministry trip. They were praising, telling Jesus, we just saw demons go, we saw people get healed, we saw da, 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 da. Now, they're so excited about all of that, and here arises something, and they're like, Jesus, just, just send them home. Even the money we have is not enough. Do you realize how the switch changed? They just came from seeing sick people healed, dead people raised, and they believed that what they carried was only enough for what they did prior to this challenge. I'm guilty. I'm like, God, I saw you heal me. I saw you provide for my family. I saw you provide for me. And then, oh, but this one. Almost like the nature of God just changed. He's no longer, he's no longer who he, he says he is because there's a new roadblock in the way. And maybe there's someone in this room. You're saying, David, what you just said, I need it and I need it now. Would you stand up? David, I need a boldness to, have, to declare your word in faith. And maybe you're not really promising me. You're, you, you're, you're making this stand with the Holy Spirit. David, I've been a Christian for some time now. But I need, I, I need this fresh fire deep within me to just maybe pour some gasoline on. M- maybe some of you even know, no, you know, I, I don't have two fish and five loaves. I just have two fish. The rest of you, would you stretch your hands to these people now? around you if you're near them lay hands on them father in the mighty name of Jesus we stand in agreement Lord your word says that you provide the fire we provide the sacrifice And Lord I thank you for a brand new way of ministering your word in faith in boldness receiving what you've already made available through your word and through the ministry of these your people Lord, that a passion, a compassion a compelling boldness to see things in advance but also be assured that you have already made it possible that as they open their mouth to speak your word to declare your word you're faithful and able to see lives changed and lives saved through your mighty name father god i pray amen and amen amen and amen you may be seated reach out grab your neighbor's hand if you're if you're going to receive christ for the first time this evening With every head bowed, would you repeat after me all together? Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe you came from heaven. And you came to earth. You suffered for my sake. You died. You rose again. You're seated high above in heavenly places. And now I can come boldly to the throne of grace. I am justified. I am am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The old is gone gone. and the new has come. come. I have been made new new. in the mighty name name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.